Aren't you glad we have a God of grace? Amen. Amen. We're going to talk about that today as we uh, continue in the series through the book of Jonah. Uh, if you haven't been with us, how many of you in the room have ever heard of this guy named Jonah? Show a hand, just see if you've ever heard of Jonah. Right, even people who have never been to church have heard of this guy named Jonah. It's a big story about a big fish and a small guy, right? Like that's what, we don't know how big Jonah was, um, but we know that there was something miraculous happened. And we've talked about chapter one and chapter two. We're gonna dig into chapter three if you have your Bibles. Uh, I always say bring your Bible every week. We want you to be in your own Bibles. And uh, if you don't know where Jonah is in your Bible, it's in the Old Testament. And uh, if you want help, there's this thing called the table of contents in the beginning of your Bible, or if you're using the app, cool thing is you scroll till you see Jonah, and then you push it, right? And you click on chapter three, and we'll get there in just a couple of minutes. I do want to continue to remind us every single week, especially those of you who are new, don't know why we do what we do here. Uh, We're teaching books of the Bible, and uh, we want you to understand how the Bible works, how to read it, how to study it, how to spend your own time with God in his word, because I believe that two things can change you. One, it's the word of God and the presence of God. And when you get both of those together every day in your week, I'm telling you, your week's going to be a lot different. And, uh, and so we give you tools to do that, called our reading plan. And um, you can grab a, a printed copy of this in the back of the auditorium on your way out if you want to. I'm going to show you how to download or use our app by the end of the gathering, which has this in it digitally as well, if those of you who love your phones too much. All right, um, so... We get addicted, don't we? So on this, you'll see a reading plan. It teaches you the SOAP method, scripture, observation, application, prayer, how to spend the time with God that way, and what that means. And on the bottom, we have our memory verse, all right? Because we want to hide God's word in our hearts, and our minds, because that's when life happens. That's when God brings those things back to memory, right? When we have it in us, it'll come out of us. If it's never in you, it won't come out of you, right? We want to put God's word in us. And so the memory verse for this whole uh, book is Jonah 2.7, which we read last week. Um, and, uh, and for us, if you're either going through something, strugg- you're struggling right now in life, or, or even if it's kind of like, you know what, uh, I just know I need God. In a certain Who has the gift of interpretation? All right, that was a, some kind of tongue there. Um, if you, if you, I don't even know what I was saying. Let's get into the memory verse. In Jonah 2.7, um, let's all read this out loud together, because this was where Jonah was, and this is where some of you might be today. Right, here we go. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. We, we've got a good word in this, in this memory verse. The word is, God hears you, and God sees you. Like, we, we know in this story, God sees Nineveh. Nineveh is an evil place. We're going to talk about that today. It was an evil place, and God saw it and saw all the people in it. God, God saw Jonah, uh, a reluctant prophet, like the one that ran away and didn't obey, right? We, and, and we know that God saw Jonah. The good news is today, God still sees you. He sees right where you are this morning. He knows exactly what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're struggling with, what you're joyful over. Like, he knows every single part of you and where you're at, whether you're a young parent trying to figure out how to raise little kids, whether you're single and trying to figure out life in your singleness, and maybe you're married and you're trying to figure out how to relate to one another, whether you're struggling at your workplace and you don't know what to do, maybe you're struggling with an addiction that just keeps coming back and you hate it and you hate yourself for it, maybe you're, you're here in this situation and, um, and you're struggling because somebody hurt you and you're in pain. Maybe you're here and something amazing happened this week and you just couldn't wait to come praise God about it. Like God sees you, everything about you, and he invites you 
to be with him. That's the whole story of Jonah, right? He's inviting Jonah, hey, come with me. And, and, uh, and we know what happened there. And then he's going to invite the, the Ninevites. And he's still inviting us today where we are. He wants to be with us. Um, it reminds me of a passage in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. Um, Hagar was struggling, and I'm not going to go into the full story of Hagar, but, but um, she didn't feel seen. She felt abused, and, um, and she ran away until an angel of the Lord came to her and gave her a word and a message, and then she gave this name to the Lord who spoke her to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. It's this Hebrew name of God, El Roy. And today, I want you to experience El Roy, the God who sees you, the God who knows right where you're at, and he wants you to be in his presence and experience something this morning. Are you ready for it? Yeah? yeah? Um, so, so we're going to hop into the message this morning, knowing that he sees us, he's with us, and he wants to do something in our lives uh, today. Now, uh, I'm going to get in the Wayback Machine in, in my life, okay? I'm, I'm mid-40s now, and I f- feel old, but I'm not, okay? Like, some of you are like, 10, that's nothing. And some of you are like, you're old. Like, I, it's that weird age right in the middle, you know? You're kind of like, you're young, or you're, it's just the way it is. But I, I grew up in the 80s. We got anybody else grew up in the 80s, right? You survived. Good job. You, you had no helmets. You had no, right? Like, you didn't have any padding. You didn't have, like, you just, your parents didn't know where you were half the time. Like, you survived, you know? You, you got through life. Um, and one thing that I survived was my BMX bike. Anybody love biking? Like for me, my bike was my freedom, right? Like I, I don't, all summer, my mom had no idea where I was. You know, it's like all summer, I'm like, see you mom in the morning. And then like when the sun set, I'm back, what's to eat? You know, that's, that was my life growing up. Can I get amen to anybody? Like anybody experience that kind of thing? Okay. Those of you who are younger, maybe you grew up in the 90s, maybe the 2000s, I apologize. The world has become way too safe, and you haven't had to deal with the things we had to deal with. And, uh, and that's okay. Uh, you have your own issues and your own problems, you know. But, but for us, like, I remember my bike was awesome. Um, anybody ever build a ramp? Okay. Uh, we used to do it all the time, right? Like, and, and again, no helmets, no pads, no nothing. We'd be like, okay, let's see how far we can get this bike, you know. And, uh, and my BMX bike, that thing, I was evil Knievel the second I got on that thing, right? I could bunny hop over people. I did it once. <coughs> <laughs> the second time it worked, all right. Um, and then I saw this picture this week on my Facebook. I was, I was looking at this picture. Look at this. Okay. This was like us, you know. This was us like, dude, I'm building this ramp. Guys, lay down. Come on, man. Just lay down. I'm going to ramp you. And I love that picture because it's like the adult is just going to like, let's see what happens here. You know, let's just, he's just sitting on the porch like, <laughs> it's like none of these are my kids. I don't know what's going to go down. And but I got to watch, you know, and I don't know, I'm sure it was a grown-up taking the picture, you know, like this guy, he's going to make it though, right? Right now you're seeing he's got trajectory, he's got the speed, he's got the bike, he's got the look. I mean, this is the cool kid in the neighborhood. Don't you hate the cool kid in the neighborhood that never hurt himself? You know that cool kid that was like everything he did, it was like awesome. I hated that kid, right? <laughs> because I remember there was a ramp, you can take that down, there was a ramp, um, I grew acro- up across the street from Wayne Elementary up in, um, you know, North Madisonburg, it was called back then, North Worcester. Now it's a nursing home. Um, and, uh, but, but we would, every, every day, all summer long, we'd be over there. Somebody brought a half pipe, you know, a skateboard, like half pipe ramp. And, it, oh man, oh, 
You know, when you're a kid, you're like, that's so cool. Somebody skateboarded. And I, I tried to skateboard. I did a little, but I stopped when it hurt. And then, um, <clears throat> but this, this bike ramp they had on the playground, it, it went like this. It went like from the ground and went straight up like that. That's, that's what uh, skateboard ramps do. They go up and then they're flat. So you can go up, do a trick and go back down. This one just went up. It didn't have any flat thing. It was just up, right? And, uh, and it was probably about, I don't know, it was probably like three feet high, you know, and when you're like in fifth grade, it's like, this thing's huge. And I said, guys, watch me. <laughs> you know what's happening next, right? This is like when you're older, holding beer, you know, kind of a thing. Like, <laughs> like we, I didn't have beer back then, or I don't drink it now, but, uh, but I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm going to rant this sucker. And, and me not understanding physics and gravity and how things work, I was so pumped up. I'm going to show off. There might have been a cute girl on the playground. I don't know. I don't remember. And, but that's what boys used to do. Watch me. You know, I'm, I'm the coin. And so I rode down around the hill, down the, as fast as I possibly could, heading towards this ramp. All right? Do you know where this is going? And so then I, I nailed that ramp. And there's a thing with skate ramps. They don't go like this. They go like this. And Tim, again, not, not understand physics and geometry, I went like this, and my bike disappeared. I don't even know <laughs> where my bike went. I mean, it probably it went 50 feet in the air. It went over the playground. I don't know where my bike landed because at that point, I'm vertical or horizontal midair looking at the sky going, this has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> And then I just land, boom, right on my back, on my butt. You know that feeling where you're like, oh, 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 you know that feeling? It's like you can't breathe. It's like, oh, oh. And then you're trying to, like, I meant to do that. You know, you get up, and you're like, that was, I'm cool, whatever. Like, oh, that, that's painful. Anybody ever have a moment like that where you just embarrass yourself? See, I'm digging into something here this morning. Because there's a point I made last week, and it is so true for all of us in life. It's so true for all of us in life. Uh, and here's the point. Either one of two things. Either you're humble or you're about to be. <laughs> right? Like for me, <laughs> I wasn't humble. I'm like, I'm doing this. I, I thought I got it. I was overly confident. It, it was about me showing off. Like, and then, and then I was humble. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm painfully humble, right? Uh, because of what I try to do. Now, now, those of us doing a bike trick, that's one thing. But in life, it's a whole other thing, isn't it? Whenever we're trying to live life, we're trying to do stuff, and, and, uh, and we all of a sudden get hit. And we don't realize when we get hit, it might be God's grace. Okay, we're going to talk about God's grace today. Last week, we talked about how God disciplines those he loves. And the reason he, he allows us to go through difficult things at times is because he wants us to walk humbly before him. When we start walking in our own pride and our own self-confidence and our own self-righteousness, um, we are actually walking away from the presence of God. Pride and God don't go together, right? And we're going to see in a moment um, how Nineveh responds to God's word. But before we do that, remember how Jonah responded to God's word? You guys remember this? So Jonah is a prophet of the Lord. The prophet's job is to speak whatever God tells him to the people he tells him to go to. Typically, the prophet is calling the Jews, God's nation in this point of history, calling them um, back to a relationship with God. That's usually what the prophets are doing. Like, God's told you to do this. Walk in obedience. God wants you to do this. Like, they're continually trying to call God, them back to God. 
That's the prophet's job. And so now Jonah is being told, now you go to Nineveh, and you go tell them the word I'm going to give you. And what is it? Jonah says, no, right? God says, go. Jonah says, no. Then God says, oh, right? So that's where we were last week. Like, oh, what do you, really? So Jonah gets humbled, correct? His pride, it took him a long time in his pride to finally be like, Lord, I'm in a whale. Now my life is ebbing away. And okay, now I'll turn to you. Some of us need to crash hard before humility kicks in. Now here's the interesting thing today. We're going to see a group of people who, uh, who now God goes back to Jonah and says, okay, let's try this again. <laughs> And, uh, and he says, I want you to go to these people. And he's telling them to go to Nineveh. Now remember, Nineveh was about 500-mile journey from where he started, where Jonah was supposed to be, to get to Nineveh. And instead, Jonah going the 500 miles, he was going 2,000 miles the opposite direction, and God had to call him back, right? Okay, now let's try this again. I'm going to send you back to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is an evil city. It's an evil city. Like, everybody in there is full of evil and they did horrible things um, in, this, in the city. We know from chapter 4, it says there's about 120,000 people. Scholars say it says that that might just be the women and children, or it might be a certain age, and there might be more than that. There might be 500,000 people. I'm not here to argue. All I know is it's a big city. And, uh, and even 120,000 people is a lot of people. That's all of Wayne County almost, right? That, that, that's a lot of people. Um, all in one little city. It says that the city was so big it took take three days to journey through the city to get to the other side. That's a giant city. This was the Assyrian capital. All right, so, um, so this city ruled with fear, control, with terror. This was the terrorists of the region. They were the bullies. They were the ones that when they won a battle, they would take the people that they conquered and they would skin them alive and hang their skins on the side of their walls on the outside of the building. They would take people and put them on spikes and let them die slowly so everyone would see, you must fear us. This is Nineveh. I've never been to a place like that. And so you think, well, no wonder Jonah went the other way, right? <laughs> Jonah's like, I, God's telling me, I don't want to be on a stick. Like, I'm not going to be a kebab. You know, I don't want to be, that's, no. And he runs away. He goes the opposite direction. But God again says, no, 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 I want you to go here. Even though we know that the Jews, the nation, they hated them. They were their direct enemies. And God says, so go to Nineveh. So this is where we're at in the story, chapter 3, okay? And, and we're going to read it. I'm going to make some points if you've got your worship program. I do have some f more fill-in-the-blanks as we go through uh, the morning. But we're, let's read this passage in Jonah chapter 3, and let's see what's happening in the story, okay? All right. Is everybody with me? If you are, say, yep. yep. Awesome. Let me take a drink, and then we will hop into it. All right, now the word came to Jonah a second time, right? It's like, come on, time number two, Jonah. Here we go. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. It's like, Jonah, you're not to go to say what you want to say. You're going to go say what I want to say, okay? So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days' walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, 
And he cried out and said, Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Okay. If that was my sermon every Sunday, how many of you would come back? <laughs> Forty more days, and Worcester's going to be overthrown, right? And that's the word of the Lord. That, this whole, this, this is it. This is all we get. This is what God told Jonah. This is your sermon. Go through the whole town and just holler this one out over and over and over again. And so that's what he's doing. He's going through the town. Forty more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. Forty more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. And I'm, I'm guessing he's probably shaking as he's saying it. Because he's wondering, am I going to be overthrown? <laughs> like, am I going to be the one that's thrown into prison, right? Am I going to be the one that they're going to take outside the city walls? These city walls, just, you know, when you walked into the city, these walls were 100 feet tall. Chariots could race on top of the wall. That's how thick it was. This was a giant city. And now he's walking through it. Now, this whole thing is very interesting because God never minces his, he, de, he doesn't mix up his words. Like when God says something, he, he knows what he's saying. And like when, when we see this 40 more days, that's a time frame. So he's giving them some time. God's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to give you all some time to think about this. 40 days, okay, just wrestle with this message for 40 days and Nineveh, oh, that's us, will be over Throne. Now, the Hebrew word here for overthrown, it's really interesting. You read it all throughout different places in the Bible. It has two different meanings. One meaning is overthrown as in like taken over or like destroyed or, you know, like that kind of thing. But another word for overthrown is, is to overturn. It's actually to, to change. It was one way and now it's going to be a different way. And so it's interesting because I'm sure that this word that's coming out from Jonah, he's hoping... It's his definition of overthrown. We're going to see in chapter 4, he's hoping. <laughs> and he's like, yes, 40 more days, this place is going down. 40 more days, y'all are going to be out of here. 40 more days, zip, you're gone. Like 40 more days, that's but interesting with the heart of God. God can do either. He can destroy or he can turn around. But he allows free will. That's what we wrestled with last week. And so God says, I'm just telling you to bring the word. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the overthrown part. All right, let's see what happens. Verse 5, Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. What? <laughs> now Jonah is probably like, hmm, what's going on here? I'm telling you guys, you're going to be destroyed. I thought you ought to all like get ready for battle, and no, they do just the opposite. They believed in God. Some of you, I don't know the translation you have, the NIV I think it just says believed God. This is the NASB, I think it's more direct uh, from the Hebrew, like believed in God. No matter what, they believed God was God when they heard this word, and they directly humbled themselves. From the greatest to the least of them, they called a fast, put on sackcloth. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, do you think the king of Nineveh like had some pride? Yes, right? This is the ruler of the area. I mean, this is the king of the nation that rules with fear and power and control. And so this word, hey, your, your uh, city is going to be destroyed. It's going to be overthrown gets to the king. He got up from his throne, removed his robe from himself, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat on the dust. 
Whoa. This was not a very good sermon. But it's getting pretty great response. Right? 40 more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 more days, Nineveh... The king finally hears it. It gets to the king. This is still day one. And the king humbles himself. Don't you wish we had leaders who would humble themselves? Something happens when a leader says, I was wrong. I did this wrong. I said this wrong. And asks for forgiveness. We don't see that that often today, do we? Especially in the political realm. I mean, it's like, excuse, 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 excuse. Will they, will they, will they? Shift, shift, shift. And I tell you what, God opposes the proud. We see one of the most pride kings in history humble himself before the God of the world and of the universe. Not only that, he issued a proclamation and it said, in Nineveh, by the decree of the king, if the king says something, it is law. And his nobles, so everybody agreed with the king, all the other leaders, no person, animal, herd, or flock is to taste anything. They are not to eat or drink water. But every person and animal must be covered with sackcloth, and people are to call on God vehemently. He's like, passionately, with all that you got. It's interesting, like, I don't, you know, I'm not a scholar, I'm not a Bible scholar, and I didn't research this, I probably should have. Like, I don't know if there's another place in Scripture where even, like, they're saying all the animals and the sheeps and the goats and your pet hamster, like, everybody's, like, we're fasting. Like, we're bowing down. Like, we're not taking any chances. Every single one of us to the greatest, down to the smallest of animals. We're not eating. We're not drinking. We're putting on sackcloth. We're humbling ourselves. And do it vehemently. Like, do it passionately. Do it with everything inside of you. And they are to turn each one from his evil way. And from the violence which is in their hands. <laughs> he knows there are violent people. He's like, let's all stop doing that. Stop being violent. Stop hitting your brother. Stop, you know, whatever it is. Like, stop, 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 stop. We need to stop our evil ways. I pushed the wrong button. Just a second. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. Like the king is saying, we can do nothing against this God. If this is what he's calling out to us, we have to humble ourselves. And who knows? It's like, uh, perhaps he will see us. Perhaps he will turn from that anger that he has over us. Perhaps his burning anger and that we will not perish. It's like, I hope Like, they're just doing it, and they're hoping. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their evil way, then God relented. Oh, amen. Hallelujah. Say this with me. Then God relented. He changed his mind. What? What? This wrestles against some people's theology, right? Because, like, God can't change his mind. Well, if you're a God and you're dealing with people with free will, you relate with those people. And God is a God of relationship. And his word went out. He didn't have to send Jonah, did he? He didn't have to give them the word, hey, 40 more days. He didn't have to. He'd have been like, yeah, these people are evil, right? 
Sorry, for those of you who are Marvel fans, you know what that means. Like, <laughs> he could have just zapped them right off the planet. God relented of the disaster which he had declared he would bring on them, so he did not do it. End of chapter 3. He didn't do it. Overthrown was now overturned. And a whole nation was turned to God. This is one of the greatest evangelistic moments in history right here. With a prophet that didn't want to bring the message, with a message that wasn't that compelling, and yet over 120,000 people said, you are the real God, and we are humbling ourselves before you. We have some lessons to learn in this, okay? For those of us in the room who have ever struggled and done something stupid, that should be all of us. God is patient and gives me chance after chance. Amen? Amen. When we get into this point of the story of Jonah, this is the truth. God is patient. Some people, I've heard you know, preachers, I listen to a lot of sermons, would be like, God is the God of the second chance. Amen? You know, like, like they would be like, and yes, he is. But I think he's also the God of the third chance and the fourth chance and the fifth chance and the sixth chance. And how stupid can we be? The 20th chance and the 30th chance. And God is the God of chance after chance. Why is he that God? Because he loves you, he sees you, he knows you, and he wants you to be with him. God will give you chance after chance after chance. Sometimes he will humble you so deeply with a chance and still some of you say no. And God's like, okay, I'm trying my best because I want to be with you and I want you to be with me and I love you. God is so patient with us. He will go a long way with us in our sin. He will. He will walk a long time beside us while we still are choosing to sin. Does he love it? No. Does he want you to keep doing it? No. But he still walks with you and beside you as you continue in sin. That's what he did with Jonah. Now, for some people, they use this whole conversation. We're going to talk about grace in a moment. Well, if he's just going to keep walking with me, then it's okay if I sin, right? Because if he's still going to be with me, and I still, because I enjoy this thing over here, actually, it's fun sometimes. Sometimes it just actually helps me forget about the world and how stupid it is, and I just escape for a moment in this thing over here, and it kind of makes those other things disappear for a moment. Like, like we wrestle with those kind of things, right? And, uh, and the thing is that, I, I, okay, where do I want to go with this? Because I could go really deep and take a lot of time. I'm not going to take a lot of time. Here's the bottom line. Every single time you choose to sin against the God who saved you, it says in the New Testament that you are re-crucifying Christ on the cross. Think about that. The Son of God died on the cross he paid your penalty of sin on that cross. And every time you say, thank you, and now I'm going to go sin, it's like you're turning your back to that cross, and you have to go back and re-crucify him. Oh, I'm sorry. that you. I forgot that you forgave me. I chose to do it again. And as a Christ father, that's the tension we live in. As we continue to try to put off the old self, that sin nature that we wrestle with, chance after chance after chance as we look more like Christ, the one who paid the price for us. That's a journey and a process, right? 
That, that's the loving grace of God that walks with us in through that whole process. But we don't take it lightly. We don't take sin lightly here at New Hope. Sin is sin. From the greatest to the smallest, all that sin, all it does is it separates you from God and others. That's what sin does. It kills things. That's why God had to send his son to die in the place instead of you dying for your own sins and paying your own price. God is patient. He gives me chance after chance. He walks with me way farther than I deserve. It's so interesting in these stories because you have Jonah. Jonah was the man of God. Jonah was the prophet. Now listen, Jonah, uh, God gave Jonah a word and a task to do. And he says, okay, go, send, uh, go, go preach to Nineveh and the word I'm going to give you. And what does Jonah do? He goes down to the dock. He goes down in the boat. He goes down in the fish. He goes down, 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 right? That's the whole message of chapter one. He goes down, down, down. It took Jonah a long time to finally be humble before God. And he was a man of God. Jonah goes into Nineveh, the most evil people in that whole area, and maybe on the planet at that point of history. That's why that evil rose up to God's presence and said, I have to do something about this. It took them how long to turn to God? One day. The godly person took forever to finally. Chance after chance. The most evil people took the first chance they had and humbled himself and repented. How long will it take you? How long will it take you? They believed in God, moved to action, fasted, and repented immediately upon the word of God. And for all of us in this room, sometimes it takes us way too long to get to that point where we are humbled in God's presence. He's calling us. This is all about God's grace. God's gra- God, gives, God gave Jonah grace as he wandered away from him, and he called him back to him. God gave Nineveh grace in their evil, and then they came back to him. God gives you and me grace. Can I get an amen? Amen. Here's a tension, though, with grace. God's grace is not fair in our eyes. God's grace is not, it's not fair. God's grace is not fair. When we get into chapter four next week, and as you read it this week um, and get into it, you're going to see that Jonah disagrees with God's grace. (laughs) Jonah's like, God, your grace is not fair because Jonah wanted overthrown to be destroyed. God wanted overthrown to be overturned. Um, but when we see somebody who gets a lot of grace that we don't like, mm, 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 right? This is where grace and justice, that whole tension. And next week, if you want to know what I'm talking about next week, I'm talking about grace and justice next week, okay? And, and that tension for us as Christ followers. God is a God of grace, but he's also a God of justice, meaning he doesn't let things go undone. Like he, he still sees the things that are wrong, and he will be just about those things. And yet he's a God of grace, which means he covers things before himself so that we can be with him. How does, that's a tension to wrestle with, isn't it? When we see God's grace, we don't, honestly, like God's grace is just not fair in our own eyes. This is, I'm going to define it for you. You can write these definitions down, but this is like a typical definition of grace. Grace is unmerited favor, right? Have you, anybody ever heard that before? 
Grace is unmerited favor, meaning you've been given favor by God, but it's been not because anything you've done, right? You didn't earn it. You, you didn't win it. You, you didn't do your best to get it. Like it's, it's unfully and completely unmerited. Um, and God just gives it. Like it, he just loves to give it. He, he wants to give grace to people and that he just gives it not because of you, but because of him. Amen. That is his grace. That's unmerited favor, that God doesn't treat you as he ought to, right? If I'm telling you, if right now I could like up on, we got these awesome screens and, and those of you join us online, like you're seeing everything that's on the screens. If I said, okay, here in just a minute, all of your sins just this week are going to be up on the screen and we're going to just go ahead and scroll that. <sighs> right? Like what? Huh? No, what? <laughs> What's this church? I don't, I don't want to go to this church anymore. Like, what's he doing? Yeah, we've been keeping an eye on everybody, and we know what everybody did. And just so you know, like, we got cameras on everybody. Like, welcome to Big Brother. We're Big Church Brother, all right? So we know what's going on in your whole life. We're going to let it scroll. But here's the thing. I'm going to say, don't worry about it, right? We know we have done some stuff. God knows even more than what we've done. He says, I got you. That's unmerited, right? That's, that's unmerited favor in God's presence. I love the way Psalm said this. Nikki was reading this week and said, you have to read this. This is a great passage. I'm like, yes, that fits perfect in this message. Psalm 103, a, a cry out to God. I love the Psalms in this. It says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad there's a he does not. Because if it was he treats us according to our sins and what we deserve and according to our iniquities. He gives us what we deserve. Oh, crap. Here's Tim's sins on the screen right now, right? Like, like... And what do I deserve, right? He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. There's humility in there. Those who humble themselves before God. As far as the east is from the west, so far has uh, he removed our transgressions from us. This is unmerited favor. This is what God has given us. I would say it this way. Grace is not getting what you deserve. I mean, we deserve separation from just because we're just because of sin, like just because of the stuff that's in us. So it's not getting what we deserve, and it's also getting what we don't deserve. So God overlooks the things that is the sin in our life, the evil in our life. He wants to overturn those things in our life. And then he gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us all his righteousness, his perfection, his holiness, his presence. We don't deserve any of those things, and yet he gives it to us. That is his grace. It's him overlooking our sin and forgiving us and then giving us his righteousness, holiness in our life. Oops. Does anybody love grace? Amen. Oh, I'm so grateful for his grace in my life. 
that he doesn't give me what I deserve and that he overflows and gives me what I would never, ever be able to earn or deserve. That is what he's done. And when, when God leads us down that journey to get us to a point where we truly see him for who he really is, just like the Ninevites, and we humble ourselves before God, thanking him, thanking him for the forgiveness we have received through his son, Christ Jesus. See, when humility leads to repentance, that's what we saw with Nineveh. One day, he walked in. All the people humbled themselves, fasted, mourned. The king and all the nobles decreed, fast, mourn, humble ourselves before God. When you humble yourself and you repent, he says, stop doing all the evil that you've done, Nineveh. Like that was the decree of the king. Stop. That's repentance. Repentance is I'm doing stupid, sinful things and saying, I don't want to do them anymore. Repenting is saying, I'm not doing that. Instead, I'm doing this. I'm being with God. That's what repentance is. It's just turning. He says, when humility leads to repentance, God shows mercy and grace. That's what he did. He showed them mercy. He turned overthrown to overturned, right? That's his mercy. Instead of bringing condemnation, he brings his presence and grace, his unmerited favor. They didn't deserve a lick of what God was going to do for them. And they knew it. That's why they repented. That's why they, that's why they did what they did. They humbled themselves before God. See, we respond to God in a couple of different ways, okay? And, and, and so far in Jonah, we see two, uh, two ways that God was interacting with people. We see um, first... Um, there was a group of people who didn't know God, uh, didn't know anything about God. They had their own gods that they prayed to. It was the sailors in chapter 1, right? Jonah got on a boat. These sailors now are in the boat. The boat is about to break apart. They're throwing all their stuff overboard. They're trying to figure out why are we going through this? What's happening? They're praying to their, all their own gods. And Jonah says, sorry, it's my fault. Sorry, guys. You're going to, uh, you know, sorry. Throw me overboard. And like, we, no, we're not killing somebody. That's, that's the thing all of us know we shouldn't do, right? Like, your God's my God's. Like, we're not doing that. And then he says, no, you're not going to live if you don't throw us over. So they throw him overboard. And they say, God, forgive us. Don't hold this against us. And immediately the storm stopped. And what does it say those sailors did? They started worshiping this God. They didn't know him before, but they know him now. How do they know him now? Because of God's works. They saw a miracle of God in their midst, and they changed in that moment when they saw the works, the miraculous of God. And then they experienced God's grace and his presence in that moment. So you see it by God's works. Now, did Nineveh, did Nineveh have the works and miracles of God? No. Jonah didn't come in and start sharing his testimony. Hey, guys, I was supposed to come to you guys, and I didn't. I was in a fish for like three days, three nights. It was crazy, guys. I mean, like, but God was with me, and he was, like, that was a miraculous thing that he did. And, and they say, like, like, they've actually had other people, like, actually have that happen to in real life, and their bodies come out bleached because of all the acids inside the fish. And I don't know if he was, like, bleached white, and he's like, this is why I'm bleached, and this is why I'm, like, I'm not albino. I'm just a little, you know, I haven't been in the sun. And, you know, and he didn't go in sharing his testimony about a miraculous work of God, did he? 
All he had was the word of God. Some get saved by the works of God when they see a miraculous. Some get saved when they just hear the word of God and it's miraculous. And for you in this room, if you have not experienced God's presence and forgiveness and grace, I'm going to tell you, I don't know how it's going to happen for you. It's going to be because of the works of God. God does something miraculous in your presence, in your life, that you know no one else can explain it but God. That's what a miracle is. No other explanation but God. That's a miracle. That's awesome. Run to him if that's how he's getting your attention. But some of you in this room, it's only from the word of God. And that word, when you hear it, it's going to do something inside of you. You're going to be like, what is this thing? What's happening inside of me? What is... And that's the word of God changing you. God doing something inside of you, getting your attention. It's interesting, in Matthew chapter 12, um, we see Jesus um, talking to the Pharisees. And when you see Jesus talking to the Pharisees in the New Testament, he's usually a, a, a little frustrated <laughs> because they're not getting it. Because the Pharisees... They had the presence of God because they had Jesus in front of them. The Son of God was talking to them. They had God in the flesh right in front of them. They had the, mirac- the miracles, the work of God, because Jesus was doing the miraculous right in front of their faces. And they had the Word of God as Jesus was teaching them the Word of God. And they still would not repent. Now, why am I saying this? There is something that God does that I don't understand. He works in people's hearts and lives that I could never, I I, I don't think any person could ever control or manipulate or, um, or pull towards God. I, I don't think it's by the work of man. All I see is our job is to preach the word, let God show up in his works when he wants to, and then God works in the heart. And then in that heart, you, me, have choices in our free will to turn to God or to ignore him. It's really interesting seeing this tension all throughout scripture. The religious trying to get to God but never making it because of their pride. And the evil person that everyone else would say they don't belong repenting and coming to God and entering the kingdom of heaven. Grace isn't fair in our eyes and I'm thankful for that. Because even the most evil of evil person can experience the grace and forgiveness of a loving God. And if the most evil of evil can, I can too. You can too. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. You are only saved. Because God's grace covers it. That God's grace forgives you of your sin. That God's grace sent his son on the cross to pay for the price of your sin. The only reason we're saved is because of God. And not because of us. Y'all with me?
And if you're here and you're trying to be a religious person, you're trying to do good, you're trying to look apart, you're trying to, but you don't actually know God, I'm going to tell you, stop trying and start turning. Stop trying to be a Christian and let God turn your heart to him. And if you're here and you're a daggum, horrible, no good sinner, welcome to church. That's all of us in the room. And the miracle of God is that he saved me. He saved Todd. Amen. Amen. Yeah. He saved Jesse, right? He saved Chuck. He he saved all of us in this room. And if you don't know him and want to be saved, today might be your day. God is a God of salvation and grace, and I'm so thankful that we can call on his name and turn to him and humble ourselves. And he says, thank you. I love you. I'm with you. I forgive you. Because the moment you asked, it's done. And my grace, it is poured on you like a blanket from heaven. And I, and I love you right where you're at. We're going to respond in prayer and in worship here in a moment. And just let God speak to us. So let's take this time just to be with God. For all of us in this room, whatever God wants to say. So God, in this moment, as we're grateful that Jonah 3, chapter 3 exists, we're grateful for the example of one of the most evangelistic moments in the Old Testament where a whole city fell to to their knees, turned from their evil ways, and ran to you, God. And that we get that picture of your absolute, undeserved, unmerited, perfect grace. God, we need it today. We need it in our lives every day. Every day I need Jesus. Every day I need you. Every day I'm thankful for your grace. This morning, I just, uh, I want to take some time, okay? Uh, First, I want to take some time for us in this room. Um, If you have been walking with pride, and trying to do this Christian walk on your own strength, with your own goodness, maybe, um, maybe there is just a deep pride issue inside of you. And you know God's trying to just, he's trying to crack that nut in your heart. <laughs> he's just trying to open that up. Man, there's no better day to humble yourself than right now. Amen. I'd rather you be like the Ninevites than Jonah. God would rather you be like the Ninevites than Jonah. God, God would rather not have to take you down to a deep pit for you to understand the power and humility in God's presence. And so today, if that's you, I'm going I'm to invite you and I'm going to ask you to say these words. God, help me be humble in your presence today. And maybe you need to start each day this week that way. God, today, help me be humble in your presence And let him work in that pride area or issue in your life. For those of you who don't know God yet, and you're just here and you're still like investigating this whole thing, um, I'm telling you, I I don't know how to preach the gospel more direct than I did today of what God has done for you and what his grace means. And I would say today would be a great day for you to, to know him. To start a relationship with him, today be a great day for you to surrender your life into his hands 
Ask him for forgiveness. Ask for his grace to cover you and start that relationship today. And uh, just, you know, the good thing is God didn't tell me today. My, 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 my word to you today isn't 40 more days, you're going to be overthrown. Like, that's not my word. That, God didn't give me that word. The word for you today is God's grace is available right now. And if you're here, maybe you're watching this online later, maybe you're on YouTube um, and you're watching this some other day, um, you're here in the room, I'm going to say today can be your day. And I want to pray with you. I'm going to tell you again, I say this every Sunday, those of you who know me, I always say there's no magic prayer of the pastor. I'm just a sinner who has experienced the Savior, and I want to help you find him too. That's it. I don't get you any closer, okay? So it's your own confession, your own uh, words. It's your own belief that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for your sins and paid for your sin and that you can then be made right and forgiven before God for now and forever, and his grace can cover you. Now, if you've never done that, just so you know, you're outside of his grace. Your sins have not been forgiven, and you're separated from him. That's, that is your current condition. And so today, if you want to change that and move to him, let's all just take a moment. Let's bow our heads, and let's take a moment in prayer. And if you want to do that, if you want to start a relationship with him, I want you to pray to God, and I want it to be your own words. So, but you can say something like this. You say, God, today I surrender. I humble myself before you, and I know that I can't be good enough to get to you. I can't be good enough to earn your love. I can't be good enough to get to heaven. I can't do it in my own, and I know that, that you can forgive me of my sins. So I'm asking you, would you forgive me of my sins, God? I confess that Jesus died on the cross for me and my sins. And I invite him, I invite the Holy Spirit into my heart, into my life. I want your grace to cover me like a blanket. I want your forgiveness to free me. And I want to be with you and I want a relationship with you. And so here I am, God, inviting you. And I just ask this in Jesus' name alone. Amen. And God, for all of us in this room, I, I, 